And right now we want to welcome you to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And this is me, uh, Warren Landis, um, welcoming you to Sunshine USA. And of course we are broadcasting on a number of podcasting platforms. Uh, We actually started off years ago on Blog Talk Radio and now we're on uh, Anchor FM and we're on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasting, Google Podcasting, uh, Overcast, and several others. And we're excited about the way this uh, podcasting Bible teaching ministry is growing and expanding, not only in this country, but in countries around the world. And I couldn't be more pleased. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Uh, I tell you. Uh, and you know, it's interesting um, to look at some of the email I get from countries around the world. Uh, right now, we're on the air in Congo in the middle of Africa. Uh, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like to be an African missionary. Well, the Lord has never seen fit to send me physically to Africa, but the message that I preach uh, on internet radio, it goes into Africa. And then, of course... Uh, We're in countries like Bulgaria and Canada, uh, the Philippines. um, We're reaching into India, all kinds of countries around the world. It's not just a national ministry. It is indeed and in fact an international ministry. And we thank God for what he's doing here at Sunshine USA. And uh, this is a very personal ministry. We definitely want to pray for you, and I'm going to give you an email address. You can shoot me an email and share with me any prayer requests that you have. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. It's all one word, all lowercase, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And when you shoot me that email, if you want to uh, include a testimony about where you're listening, to the broadcast at, and if you want to share about how this broadcast has made a difference in your life, that would be great as well. If you have any uh, Bible study related questions uh, that you would like to ask me, well, feel free to ask me, and if I don't have the answer, I'll get it for you. Amen. So um, anyway, that's our mailing address, warrenlandis at yahoo.com. Uh, Today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and once again, we find that um, Daniel has a a new king to report to. His name is Darius, and um, we note that in the last broadcast, um, Belshazzar had put on a party, and all of a sudden this strange hand started writing a message on the wall. And nobody knew what the message said, and neither Belshazzar or any of his uh, magicians or astrologers could figure out what it said. So they summoned Daniel. They knew that he had had a perfect record for interpreting dreams and other things for the king in the past, and so they called upon Daniel. And Daniel uh, told Belshazzar, yes, I've got some good news for you. I've got the interpretation, but guess what? You're not going to like it. He prophesied in that interpretation, that Belshazzar's king, kingdom would come to an end. And we find that's exactly what happened. The kingdom of Belshazzar came to an end 
just exactly as God said it would. Now, mark it down. This is a very important thing to take note of. When God says that something is going to happen, guess what? Something is going to happen. And it's going to happen exactly and precisely the way that God said that it was going to happen. You know, we can mark it down. We, we can make a note of it. We can go to the bank with that kind of information. And so we find that a new man named Darius comes to a position of power and leadership. And uh, we're going to find out something about Darius and also something more about Daniel. Now I want you to get out your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, or really probably Daniel chapter 5, starting with verse 30. Daniel chapter 5, starting with verse 30. And we're going to see exactly what happens here. Daniel chapter 5, starting with verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. So now at about 62 years old, Darius comes into power as the king. And from Daniel's point of view, he's about the third man to rule this part of the world since Israel was taken into captivity. Or I shouldn't say Judah in particular, was taken into captivity. And we're going to see that Daniel is going to be held in just as high a esteem as the other kings held him to be. Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It said, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princesses, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first, that the princesses might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. And then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princesses, because of an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now I want you to notice something here. Daniel has a way of rising to the top of any situation that he finds himself in. We see that uh, Daniel, he uh, um, becomes the leader in every kingdom <laughs> that he's been a part of. He rises like cream to the top. And the reason for this is because the Bible says he had an excellent spirit. Uh, the thing about Daniel was he was the kind of guy everybody just enjoyed being around. I mean, uh, <laughs> being around Daniel was a delightful experience. He had an electronic personality. He was not even close to being boring. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that in my lifetime, I have heard some really good preachers. And some preachers are among the best. <laughs> there are some preachers I've listened to in my lifetime, and I kid you not, I could listen to them all day long. They are so interesting. They are so thrilling. They are so intriguing. 
And I think Daniel was one of those people. And like I say, Daniel also had the additional fact that when he made a prediction, it came true. Now, back in the Old Testament days, the test of a true prophet was the fact that his prophecies came true. And in Daniel's case, whether he was interpreting in the dream or simply providing a prophecy, in every case, everything happens exactly and precisely the way Daniel said it would. Now, in that respect, Daniel is like a good preacher today. We as preachers, we have a duty and a responsibility to preach the entire Word of God. Not just bits and pieces of it, not just those parts of it that we find to be the most exciting, but we have a duty and a responsibility to preach the whole Word of God. And that means that sometimes when I get to the pulpit, sometimes when I come to the radio microphone, I have to bring a message that is not especially easy to bring. But I have to bring it because God told me to bring it. And so I bring it. Amen. And that's exactly and precisely the kind of man that Daniel was. Now, even though Darius was king of a secular kingdom, and there's no reason to believe he was an especially godly man, but Darius was 62 years old, and he had the good sense to realize that if he was going to rule effectively, he was going to have to um, delegate responsibility. And so he's going to delegate responsibility by appointing 120 people that would have responsibility over different parts of the kingdom, and they would be responsible for doing different things. And then there would be three presidents over them. And these three presidents would preside over the 120. But Daniel would have the additional honor of being the chief president. In other words, ultimately, the affairs of the whole kingdom would be assigned to Daniel. An enormous, awesome responsibility. And, as you might expect, some of the other... <laughs> uh, princesses and presidents, they got jealous because they weren't getting the same preferential treatment that Daniel seemed to be getting. Then the presidents and princesses sought to find an occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, you know, let me say this. When it comes to the unbelieving world, they are looking at our lives very intently. I mean, seriously, they are looking at our lives very, very intently. They're trying to see if they can find any fault in us. They're trying to see if they can find any kink in our armor. And so we as Christians have to be careful to live in a way that honors God at all times. At this point, if they could have found a flaw in Daniel, they would have welcomed the opportunity to use that against Daniel. But they could not. Now, that speaks, by the way, very highly of Daniel. The fact that, try as they might, they could not find a single bad thing that he was doing. 
So let's see what they decide next. Then they said to these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princesses assembled together to the king, and thus said unto him, King Darius, live forever. <laughs> now these guys are at least being a little bit smart. They are addressing King Darius with respect. And they say, O oh, King Darius, live forever. I imagine the king enjoyed hearing about that. Then all the presidents and all the kingdom and the governors and the princesses and counselors and captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now king established the decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. That's in verse 9. Okay, now I want you to notice something. These guys are not simply trying to flatter the king by saying we're going to have this decree and everybody can come only to you, O king, for advice. And if they do, we're going to cast them into the den of lions. Well, they say that, King, we want you to sign this in the law. Now, you see, these guys knew something about the law of the Medes and the Persians. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, once a king made a decree and signed it in the law, that law was considered permanent. It could not be retracted. In other words, uh, the king back in those days, if he issued an executive order, it was permanent. Not temporary, it was permanent. It could not be changed. And so, they get the king to sign this decree. Now they realize they have put King Darius in a trap, and King Darius apparently doesn't pick up on it yet. Well, let's see what happens again, starting in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, and he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before time. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man shall seek that, that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, This is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, Regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, 
was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. And these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Now uh, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was wrought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now, notice what happens here. Darius, who apparently had already been greatly influenced by Daniel's testimony, Darius already realizes there is something special about the God that Daniel worships. And while there is no evidence that Darius himself knew this God, or worship this God, he knew that this God was so powerful and so wonderful. And that's why he was able to tell Daniel, this God, whom you serve, he will deliver you. And so Daniel is cast into the lake, into the den of lions, and then a stone is rolled over the entrance to this den of lions, and it is sealed with the king's signet. In other words, Daniel is going to be apparently in that lion's den for a certain length of time. Now, ordinarily, any man cast into the den of lions, whenever the time came for that man to be taken up out of the den of lions, he was almost always someone who had already been completely devoured by the lions. But I think you're going to find that something different happens in this particular case, notice that the king has sealed the entrance to the lion's den. So nobody but nobody can come to the rescue of Daniel. There's no way that Daniel can escape. There's no way the lions can escape. And the king knew as well as anybody else that once he gave a decree, it was permanent. It could not be altered. It could not be changed. In a worldly sense, we would say at this point that it would appear that Daniel's fate is indeed, and in fact, doomed. <laughs> doomed. I mean, I, I tell you, it's doomed. <laughs> Amen. But God has a different idea. Let's see what happens. Okay. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of... Okay, let's see. Let me... Uh, started to read the same part of the scripture twice. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut up the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee. O king, I have done no hurt. And the king 
exceedingly was glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the lion's den and no matter and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded that they bring those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den, them and their children and their wives, and the lions had mastery of them, and break all of their bones into pieces, and ever they came at the bottom of the den. Now, I want you to notice what happens here. First of all, these men that accused Daniel, they get the same punishment that had been handed down to Daniel. Because now the king realizes that these guys were up to no good. There was an ulterior motive clearly behind the accusation they made to Daniel. And as a result, Daniel was spared. God delivered Daniel. But now notice something very important here. God doesn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den. God delivers Daniel in the lion's den. God does not promise to protect you and I from bad things in this life. He really doesn't. God has promised in his word that sometimes bad things happen to good people. For example, in Romans 8.28, the Bible tells us that all things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You see, sometimes God allows bad stuff to come into our lives. In this case, he allowed something seemingly bad, like allowing Daniel to be cast into the den of lions. But they did not eat him. They didn't even harm him. There wasn't even a scratch on his body or any of his clothing. But notice when these men are cast into the lion's den, they are devoured, and not just them, but also their wives and children. Now that lets us know that when we disobey God, not only do we pay a price for that sin, but others suffer as well. I um, I think about a man recently here in Greenville, South Carolina. He was actually a Christian man and, in fact, was a deacon, believe it or not, in his church. But he had been laid off from his job. He had a hard time finding another job. And so he goes out and he robs the bank. And obviously he is rather quickly caught. After all, he's not an experienced criminal, so the police have a very easy time catching him, and he goes to prison. And he has a wife and a couple of kids. And I want you to notice here that here he's got a wife and a couple of kids whose lives are going to be adversely affected because of the husband's decision to go out here and rob a bank. Well, certainly the husband's going to suffer because he's going to spend several years of his life in prison. But the wife and kids are going to have it hard as well because their number one provider has now been locked up. And so we have to understand when we sin against God, then you and I pay a price for that. 
And not only do we pay a price for that, others around us, they pay a price for that. But we find here that Darius seems to be happy that no harm has come to Daniel. And once again, Daniel is able to very successfully testify about his great God. Now, basically, this will bring us to the end of chapter 6 in the book of Daniel. And um, I want to point out we're not going to go any further into the book of Daniel at this particular time. Now, the next time we come to the book of Daniel, I will probably do the whole book of Daniel, including the second half of Daniel, which is basically um, a very prophetic part of the book. In fact, we find a lot of end-time Bible prophecy mentioned in the second half of the book of Daniel. And I'm not feeling led of the Lord at this time to go into commentary there. Um, but we will next time bring another topical message here on Sunshine USA what we call the Anchor FM edition. Now, on the Blog Talk Radio edition, we have a Bible study right now, which is a systematic Bible study. We started with the first chapter in Genesis, going all the way through to the last chapter in Revelation. And right now, we're in the book of Psalms. Amen. And it's a rather intriguing study of the book of Psalms at that. Uh, and then, in what I call the Anchor FM edition of Sunshine USA, we have given ourselves the freedom to do a number of different series. I think the next series we're going to do is actually a series of messages on the book of James. Now, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, as the half-brother of Jesus, James has some very interesting things to say that we need to understand today as Christians. Now, one of the things we know as Christians is that, is that we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved of works. But now, some people who read James without thoroughly, carefully studying it might get the impression that James is advocating a salvation by works. He is not. Even James would agree that we are saved by grace through faith. But what James is emphasizing is that if you have been saved by grace through faith, then works is going to become part of your life. Because if you're saved, guess what? You're going to have this desire to live like Jesus. You're going to have this desire to be as much like Jesus as you possibly can be. That's the way it works. You know, you have a desire to live like Jesus. It's kind of like a guy when he's dating a girl. And especially when he starts dating a girl for the very first time. I mean, naturally, he wants to learn everything about her that he can. And he wants to do all the things that please her. And he doesn't want to do anything that would displease her. Well, I know that's a crude illustration, but that's the way it is 
with us and God. We should have a desire as born-again believers to be as close to being like God as we possibly can. Not because we're trying to be saved by being good, no. But because we are saved, we want to do those good things that God wants for us to do. Amen. Now it's also important to note there is a legitimate role even today for the law. And that is to show us that you and I are sinners. Even at our best, even when I'm at my best, even when you're at your best, guess what? The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so that's one of the ways that we can know that we're sinners, because when we compare the way we're living with the law, we say, yep, that's me, I'm a sinner. But Jesus presents himself as the Savior. And he offers us a free salvation. We can't work for it. We don't deserve it. We can't buy it. It's free. We just have to ask God for it. And I hope that if you're a regular listener to this program, you could say, like I can, with the certainty that you know Christ is your Savior. If not, I can't think of a better day today than the day for you to get saved. And then after you get saved, the next most important thing that you can do is to make up your mind you want to learn as much about God as you can. Uh, one of the reasons we started this ministry back in 2012 was the fact that God burdened me about God's people not knowing enough about the Word of God. That's why uh, Christian people are all the time turning to these cults. They're turning to these cults because, you see, they don't know the Word of God deeply enough. Because if you know the Word of God deeply enough, there's no cult leader in America that's going to be able to reach you. There's no cult leader in the world that's going to be able to reach you. But it's all a matter of getting yourself grounded in the Word of God. And like I say, that's what this ministry, Sunshine USA, is all about helping Christians grow into a deeper understanding of the Word of God. You know, Paul put it this way. He said, some of you are like babes in Christ. You know, you're having to drink milk because of the fact you're not ready for solid food. And he said, the sad thing is, after years of listening to me preach, you're no further along than you were when I first met you. You're still on spiritual meat. I mean, uh, you're still on spiritual milk. But God would rather you be on spiritual meat so that you can enjoy the deeper things of God. Amen. <laughs> now, you might say that's kind of like a second sermon I've thrown in at no extra charge. So there you have it. Um, well, we've come to the end of another broadcast. I've enjoyed taking at least a half an hour with you today to present to you the Word of God. And guess what? We'll do it again next time. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what, folks? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.